Welcome back, everyone, to Phantom Galaxy. I'm your host, Nathan Bartlebaugh. I'm here with Chris Durham. Hey, guys. And we have a returning guest, Jason. Hello. Reintroduce yourself. Yes. Do it like a wrestler. Jason, <laughs> Jason the Cup Coupler or something. I don't know. <laughs> no, that's that's. Okay. Jason joined us for the podcast when we were talking about trippy movies. Mm-hmm. And tonight is the... we. What we're going to do is start a kind of regular, probably twice a month feature where we just do a kind of a, a episode for streaming, what's on streaming, on mm-hmm. Netflix, on Prime. Uh, not just the services where you get everything for free, but when new movies come on streaming, there are some movies that have day and date where they come into the theater and on streaming at the same time. We have a couple of those sorts of movies, and we're going to stick pretty much to within genre. We have, we'll, from time to time, we'll probably stray out when we have something we really want to. So we'll get into that. We've got a, we've got several different movies to talk about, including uh, the new, the big new Netflix release from last week, Okja. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about that. But before we do that, we, we started a new feature on podcast a couple weeks ago, the Phantom Rants, where if there's something specific in genre fiction and movies that sort of just bugs you, uh, we've asked that that uh, you write in and tell us a little bit about it. Send us a message, and we we have one, <laughs> which is very specific. This is a very special. The one. last time we had someone, their their rant was about the black eyes in horror movies. You know that when someone gets possessed, Jason, and their eyes go all dark. And I think it's in the been same used week, a million times. The yes. same week that someone gave us that, we saw like two movies where that very thing happened. Yeah. Two big movies coming to the theaters that week. Uh, so. This is very specific. This actually <laughs> lays out a very specific movie. You almost have to intuit the <laughs> the rant is here. This is our, our listener, Ivy Lee, yes. sends this in. Specifically referencing a movie I actually haven't seen, which is No Escape with o, uh, Owen Wilson was in it. Mm-hmm. Do you guys remember? I do remember Are you sure it's out. Owen? Well, I've the, heard yes, it's spelled otherwise. The, the review here does reference Owings Wilson. I'm just going to read this. This is referencing No Escape tried to take as many there there are probably some mild spoilers here the basic gist of this film is owen wilson and his family get stuck in another country and a basically revolution or something breaks out mm. and it's just madness they, just, and, they kill um, all the uh visitors yeah from like i've America heard some people try to call it a horror movie i know jason over on uh horror movie podcast yeah. It was like his number one horror movie, 2016, to the befuddlement oh, yeah. of almost everybody. Yes. <laughs> so uh, it, to me, it's not quite the horror film. Pierce Brosnan was in the movie too. Mm-hmm. So I'm that's just horrifying going, to me. I'm and, and so Owen Wilson and his family, which involves his wife and apparently his daughter as well. So I'm just going to read this. <laughs> All right. And uh, we will have sound effects covering most of the profanity after the. Well, fact. the colorful language. Uh, Ivory told me she really felt stronger that it, it uh, added to her overall. Some of the poetry assessment. will be lost when I read yeah. it. I'm sure. So I just got around to watching this movie. I hesitated because, of course, it's not my usual genre. And with Owen Wilson only being known to me as a comedian, I thought the movie just wasn't going to play well. So I watched it. I want to say I liked it and would recommend it to others. Although it's not the top of my, oh my god, you have to watch this list. (laughs) My one issue with this movie is their daughter, Lucy. Never, ever have I wanted to slap the dog (laughs) at a child more than this little girl. (laughs) First, she decides to go swimming on her own, separating them in the first part of the movie, causing her father to go rescue her from danger. I gave her that one she had no idea what was going on. Also, when she starts crying loudly that she doesn't want to go and Pierce Brosnan has to calm her down, I'm thinking, you know you've seen all these people killed and you yourself hurt and your mommy beaten up and you want to cause a scene so the bad man can come and kill us. I will snatch the soul out of you. <laughs> Actually, I was thinking I would have slapped her so hard that her eyes, mouth, nose, and ears would fall the face but <laughs> at the end when this little <laughs> f- runs out to her father <laughs> as the men are fight- fighting him she gets captured and forced to hold a gun and potentially made to kill him like little girl i will leave you here and get the rest of the family <laughs> wow good job i believe i love it so i believe really good i believe one of my favorite people on this earth no joke about that and i thought that was just great <laughs> i I want Ivy Lee to start sending us because I've I've seen movies where we went to see yeah. Poltergeist with her and like she has a good way of encapsulating her thoughts may not always be my thoughts but she has a good way of encapsulating yeah. the experience of watching a movie particularly like a horror film yeah I think we've all been there at least in regards <laughs> to seeing a movie where the character is just doing something totally 
irritating that bothers mm. you. I don't know the, the daughter because I haven't seen the film, but I'm assuming mm-hmm. she's maybe just a little bit older. You guys have any thoughts on this before we move on? Like, I, I think it's true. There's definitely times that people just, in movies, they drive me nuts because that is not how a person in that situation would react. They would not try to get themselves killed by making a bunch of noise just because they're angry or upset. Like, I, I can see where she's coming from there, you know? I think it's, it's trying to add to the suspense... Because, you know, the, the bad people now can hear this whiny little brat. It reminds yeah. me of the um, the War of the yes. Worlds Tom Cruise movie. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes. That, I... There were things I Dakota liked about that Fanning, movie. Dakota Fanning, right? Dakota Fanning screaming in the camera for, like, the duration of that whole film. Her head filling up the frame of the camera with her eyes wide screaming. <laughs> it was it was shredding my calm the entire time. And after a while, it's just like, <laughs> stop screaming, little girl. I just want to see the... Mo- Martians mulch her up into Martian grass, but it never <laughs> happens. I think that there is a laziness aspect here, particularly when it comes to children in peril, but also this idea that it used to be that this was kind of what the female character would always mm-hmm. like drag the hero down because she would fall, and and that was lazy writing too. You know, she screams, and oh, now all the bad guys are going to come because they heard the girl scream. Mm-hmm. So now we've gotten wise to that, and filmmakers look like you know jerks if they do that. So now it's just the kid. The kid will be. The weak link. Mm-hmm. Um, this one As sounds particularly life. sort of agree. <laughs> this one seems particularly egregious. That so, Ivy, thank you for sending this <laughs> yes. in. Anyone else who has any sort of uh, rants that they want to share with, or, or examples, of what Ivy is talking about here? Yeah, um, irritating can, children in horror films. Irritating children. That could be a whole episode, really. Irritating children. Because if you don't have possessed children, you've got. Regular ones, and, yeah, in, in horror films. And every once in a while, they'll get eaten. I and think of those of are that Guillermo del Toro film, The Mimic. Remember, uh, in the mm-hmm. beginning, there are these two really irritating bratty kids, and they yeah. get they get snatched mm-hmm. up, and their heads are bitten off. Yeah. So, uh, and they're like young; they're like ten years old. It happens, man. <laughs> so, if you have anything, you can send this to our email address at phantomcasts that c a s t s at gmail dot com. And you can also hit us up over on the Facebook page. And uh, let us know. Send anything in. It can be as colorful as you want. We, we, <laughs> we'll we, will, add the, we will add the uh, censorship after the fact, but we will, we will read it. You should put screaming child over the profanity. That's, That's good an idea. idea. I like that. I may even try to find this particularly screaming child. I like 18 or 19. That's the same thing. We'll find out. <laughs> Okay, so now we're going to get down to our VOD selections. Mm-hmm. And what do you guys want to talk about first? Why don't we start with one that we've all actually watched? Ah, that's a good question. So how about XX? Actually, I watched that one last night, oddly enough, and this morning. And XX, this is, it's on Netflix. It's, uh, although the title <laughs> may sound a little... Uh, yeah, weirdly yeah, skeevy, but skeevy. it's not quite this, there. No, no, There's one X is, missing. So yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. This is this, this is in is reference to the chromosomes. Than right. anything else. Yeah, the this was sold as the female anthology horror series. Really, the female thread was just that everyone who was involved in this production were female directors. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot That's of interesting, interesting directors. Yeah. Karen Kasawa, who did a movie that I think all three of us liked, The Invitation. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. That was great. She she directed one of these things. I believe she did the final segment. Yes, uh, The last she did. segment. So there are four stories, and there's, there's a wraparound thing, but in this particular instance, I wouldn't even bother to call this a story. It's not really, like, the thing that holds all of them together. Uh-huh. It's a weird, like, stop-motion animation. I yeah, like it's. I, I liked it, like it, it, but I did. It, there was no it was discernible no, story no. to me. Like, no, there uh, was no real like. It wasn't Udo Kier in the theater. No, 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 no. It was I actually preferred that to that. But uh, <laughs> yes, true. typically some of these movies, Creep Show is an example. There's a little mm-hmm. mini story or VHS. There's a yes. mini story. Tales from the Dark Side. Tales from Tales from the Dark Side. Yeah, had a kind of a good one because mm-hmm. it actually had it some progression to it. So this follows that same basic premise. We are still in this current trend where you get several different directors to do this anthology. Mm-hmm. I think it used to be that you might have one director doing everything in the anthology. I think one of the, this is just right off the bat, my one like note about it before we start talking about it, I find that one of the difficulties when you have an anthology that's directed by a lot of different people, it sometimes doesn't always feel cohesive. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you got to figure out what's the cohesive element. Like ABC's a death. Oh, we're just gonna take a letter of the alphabet. I yeah. thought that thing was wildly erratic in its quality. Like, <laughs> yeah. And to me, most of place. it was the quality wasn't very high. Yeah. Uh, even the VHS films, there have been three of those, I think, and the quality is just sort of all over the map mm-hmm. in regards to those. And it, even within the the actual movie. So I don't know that that's really avoided here either, where you've got four different stories and then this wraparound of varying quality. Chris, let's start with you. You just saw it last night. Uh, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts, your overall thoughts on it? Uh, normally I don't need any kind of, like, I'm fine with a movie not being completely explicit in telling you the full tale or whatever. But I felt like my biggest feeling with this movie was kind of unfinished, like, these movies, the stories in them kind of start, with the exception of two of them, like two of them are kind of unfinished to me. And that's a big part of the movie. That's half the movie right there. So overall, I felt like there was an unpolished element to it, um, simply because the stories that we're getting aren't really full stories to me. Um, like I said, I don't need a, you know everything hand-drawn out for me or whatever. I don't need a full explanation of what's going on. Um, but a little bit, I think, more than just to tease the audience with, like, here's something that happened, but we're not going to give you a full well, a story pre- about it. Well, sometimes a premise like, versus a story. Yeah. And sometimes these exactly. short films, ABC's of Death was all premise half the time, not actual story. Yeah, that one was garbage. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I like that they did do it from a female perspective. So even, like, the one of the first... I guess I won't get any specifics, but um, I'll just we say can that... talk a little bit about the individual stories. For example, like, the first one was probably one of the more scary ones from a female perspective. Um, just because you could see what was happening to the children and something mundane that normally you wouldn't even think about suddenly becomes kind of terrifying when it's not happening, you know? Um, this is called The Box. This is uh, based off of Jack Ketchum's short story. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. This was my favorite one, by the way. Um, but that one kind of ended, and... It was all premise, but it didn't really go. You didn't get full story out of it. I, I was kind of like disappointed by that because I was kind of enjoying what I was watching. Um, then, uh, you know, uh, what did what, you think, Jason? What did um, you feel about it? What, what, the, the first one I loved a lot. Um, yeah, and why don't we go ahead and we can talk about them individually and then kind of come back to okay, it. I didn't want to kind of like thing. break into it. No, no, oh, that's okay. fine. So, yeah, uh, okay. We're not breaking a lot, but just individual thoughts because mm-hmm. I do think the tone of each story is different. They, they, yeah. they mm-hmm. couldn't, they don't really belong together outside of this arbitrary they're all female directors yeah it's like female I feel directors like it's, trying yeah. to do something scary air quotes there so yeah mm-hmm. um yeah I, I i felt the first one was it's ambiguous when you see it um but it's intentionally ambiguous i think and and when i kind of looked into the story too it's very similar to the short story as well i i very much liked that one so that first one i thought was the strongest one and i actually liked that you know, things leave you hanging and you don't really know. There's not, going. yeah, this is not a full bore. This is a slow burn mm-hmm. kind of idea, which speaks a little like Chris is saying, it doesn't quite feel like it's all there. Mm-hmm. And I, some of that's probably due to the short story mm-hmm. itself. Yeah, uh, it could be. Basic setup, you've got, the you know, this mother and her child are on, or her children are on the train at Christmas time, around Christmas time, and a stranger has a present. Kid wants to see what's in the box. He shows them what's in the box. We don't see what's in the box, but we see the aftermath of mm-hmm. how that's playing out in the family. And like Chris, you made a mention, it's like something mundane that, hey, if this happened once, no big deal. You wouldn't think twice mm-hmm. about it. But we see a repeated pattern and it starts to create this sense of like, I no longer have control of my own home, my own family. Mm-hmm. And that opens up questions with particularly with the, theme, the mother, who's the kind of perspective we're seeing through, is how, how much has she ever had control or how much has she wanted to even be invested there mm. you know in the home those are all sort of under the surface but i i wanted to like this one a lot more than i did thing i did i personally and i have when you put a child in danger in a film it's almost you're almost absolutely certain to put me in a state of like anxiety you're gonna trip <laughs> me i'm like i'm gonna yeah. i won't necessarily i'm not saying i'll like it but i will be maybe more invested in the horror element because it's you'd happening. be more susceptible but <clears throat> for me something about the way this was done and portrayed it felt a little stagey i also felt like it was a little removed this could go to the ketchup because i find jack ketchup to be a very smug writer I, he writes a lot of really dark stuff but it's always like, look how bad you people are. Yes. But I'm the one writing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and he's true. like, he rubs your face in it a little bit. The, the box is not like some of his other work, but it has that same kind of smug, elevated. I had to keep reminding myself that this was a horrible situation. Like, I had to generate that. Mm. 
fear and concern because it wasn't coming naturally, and it just it felt very stagey. I felt very removed watching mm-hmm. the box. Yeah, so, I didn't feel like I was really part of it. Uh, yeah, and to me, so when it ended, I just felt like let down. I was like, that is an interesting premise. You, I like it connected with you. I was sitting there thinking, man, that could have been the home run. That should have been the one that really like. Yeah, I, I almost felt the opposite on that. I kind of, I don't have uh, children uh, yet as uh, you do, which I, your kids aren't that much younger than these children. No, no, this. that's the thing. And so I'm like, yeah. Like, but I kind of almost put myself in the situation of what would happen. Oh, almost revealed something. But what would happen <laughs> if this had happened in my life? And it just, it kind of really creeped me out. And um, mm-hmm. I thought it was really well done. There is an interesting thing that I that I will say. And it's not really a spoiler, but the Ketchum story, the main character is the man. Yeah, they, so they flipped they, the gender they, on they us a little bit. They flipped it. Um, and put the woman in charge. I think other than that, it's pretty similar. I think it, that would lend itself well to what they're trying to do. I yeah. Mean, I actually think that the, the film, the short film, is better than the actual story. I've, I've read I've read the Ketchum story. Oh, see, I have based not, off, and I really and want to. And the actually. Ketchum story is even more premised, like what we're talking about here. One of the problems with this episode, in that short amount of time, they want to interject at one point mm-hmm. a dream sequence. But they get to a point when interjecting that dream sequence, I failed to start to understand exactly what was real and not real. Like, everything that happens at a certain point, I'm like, we see them at Christmas and things are going to take a dark turn. But instead of being like, oh my goodness, here we are. I didn't know if that was a dream or what we had just seen was a dream. Mm-hmm. You know, there's one was kind that? of graphic Exactly, sequence. yeah. It was, yeah. Where, and that, where were we with this? That sort of displaces you a little bit. And then by the time you rearrange yourself, it's over. Mm-hmm. Was that dream sequence in the short story? No. See, that's that what, remember, it, yeah. it almost seems like that is, in the dream sequence, without giving it away, is the real violent and gory part of this story, and... It's the quote-unquote horror moment. But well, I feel, I feel that... Um, I it was kind of dumb. It, it wasn't necessary, almost. No, it diluted. I disagree. Really? I will say that because I think with this, more than even the rest of it, you really feel the, the, lady, the woman's perspective where she's like, you know, she's constantly sacrificing herself for her family. And nice. the family's just like they yeah. don't care, you it's know. <laughs> like they, they're expecting it, yes. Or it's her own guilt because she also seemed to me. I thought, and maybe I don't know if this is biased. To me, it seemed like the father was the one that was connecting with the kids, and she was at a remove. And maybe that dream sequence was guilt. Mm-hmm. I agree that it had a purpose, but it the way it's shoved in there, mm-hmm. it almost destabilizes. It, was, it, it did, yeah. It didn't so really. To me, fit this first one was just like, a little bit. It did, but it didn't. Yeah. It was kind of. So we went that real dark. It starts out real dark, I (laughs) think it's fair to say. And then it goes to the second story, which is the birthday party. Uh See, you're saying, uh, and I, this was my personal favorite. Yeah, out of the four, I think this one's my favorite just because it, you know, was a a full tale to me. So, And also, it's interesting that they're kind of selling this as this sort of like feminist horror package, you know. And that really, three out of these four stories are about mothers struggling with caring for their children you know married women who it's like okay you guys didn't really go that far outside the box with the female experiences and the the fourth one the fourth one has absolutely nothing to do with any kind of like feminist ideology i think in the order they appear in the film that's the third one i mean the fourth one you're saying yes three of them the other one outside that's what i like yeah but yes it is technically someone decided to throw a standard horror trope kind of i felt like that would belong technically that would have been in the third segment so you're absolutely right about this i was just saying if you're watching it like Mm -hmm. in terms of because but the birthday party melanie linsky who was in movie we reviewed a few podcasts ago uh I don't feel home. Or I don't feel at home in this world anymore, which is on Netflix, which Great I highly stuff. recommend. Melanie Linsky's been a lot of stuff. She was also in uh, years ago in Heavenly Creatures, a Peter Jackson, New Zealand murder murder film, uh, which I highly recommend as well. In this, she is a woman who's dealing with a dead body <laughs> prior to her child's birthday party which is about to happen yeah and she's again that kind of harried mother who's really now you talk about the woman trying to sacrifice everything for her kid that's kind of coming through in this one to mm-hmm. me this isn't horror though like that's there is kind no of the element thing of horror there's too, like yeah. yeah if the first if the box mm-hmm. was almost more existential dread than horror this is almost like comedy of errors like yeah. i You're like absolutely right and what sells it to me i think if it had been anyone Lindsky does such a good job just with the facial expressions mm-hmm. and just her desperation, with it's just goofy. If I was watching this as a short, what film, are you watching? Like a horror anthology or Weekend at Bernie's? Like, well, right. And I think this is where <laughs> I think this is where this particular short doesn't benefit from being put into this package. Mm-hmm. If you had seen this short film 
separated from itself on like YouTube or something, yeah. you might have actually really enjoyed it I without an expectation it. of. I'm not saying you, but just in general, you're sitting here <laughs> wanting to see a horror a horror yeah. short, mm-hmm. and it's so far removed from that. But just given on its own on its own merits, except for the last one, I think it's the best directed and almost has the most purpose. It starts. It knows where it's going. It gets there, but then it's over. But like you said, it still has a feeling of unfinishedness to it. Mm-hmm. Like it just, it's like that's all you got. It's like a punchline kind of. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I did chuckle at the end of that though. <laughs> I, I really did. I thought the payoff at the end of that was was pretty good. I I didn't have a problem with the main actress. I forgot her name already. I haven't seen her. In yeah, Melanie Linsky. Melanie yeah. Linsky. Um, the other people were so irritating. And I, I don't know if it was because they were supposed to be irritating or they were just bad there's actors. I think there were like, just a lot of stereotypes of people. It like, just, but it, it is a lot of amateur acting across yeah. this whole thing, across this yeah. entire film. The yeah. box suffered from uh, amateur acting, I thought. The mother character mm-hmm. in that, actually, one of the weaknesses I thought was that the acting was just a little stiff among mm-hmm. all those those characters. Well, because there's such a, like, dramatic things are happening yes, in her yeah. family. That, that I think that's why maybe just with Linsky, I was like, hey, I kind of get you. You seem like yeah. a person. I wonder what it would have been interesting to see her in the first skit. Or not, a skit. In the skit. first storyline <laughs> and not in this. Yeah. Uh, I did like that scene kind of towards the end where you've got the juxtaposition of her just <laughs> staring and she's got the drink in her hand and she's yeah. like at the end of the table where there's the cake and you've got the, the bear costume and the kids <laughs> and you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop, so to speak. Yeah. It, it's you know it's it's certainly not the worst of these. I think that's coming next. Yes, <laughs> I agree. Yeah, but but, but so that you usually you build like you've got this first one that shows some promise. Yeah. Then you've got this, and now it's like okay, if we can Bring get into the real horror, yeah. And then so the third segment, which I don't, I'm just called the camper episode because I don't, don't remember fall. Those those don't fall. Okay, so um. this one. <laughs> This one felt like many of the weaker episodes that were in the VH, some of the VHS movies. Oh. You know, where they're just like a padding mm-hmm. episode. I'm, I'm almost thinking, and though that was better than this, there's an episode in the first VHS where these kids go into the woods and are stalked by a killer, and mm-hmm. and the camera almost becomes like, uh, like it almost has a second sight. Yeah, yeah, it's like premonitions. Yeah, that to me was one of the weaker episodes of that. This is the weakest episode of this particular bit, mm-hmm. and you've got a group of characters. A woman, her girlfriend, and her brother, and another dude, and mm. it's just your typical kind of twenty somethings, wouldn't you say? Like twenty, early thirties, hanging out in um, in a camper near this. Uh, where are they exactly? It's in the Midwest. They're somewhere. off. Yeah, they're off the main like There's camping grounds. They found. Yes. They found. <laughs> they found a place that was like someone said. Oh, this isn't like a touristy place. You go camp here. It's pretty oh. cool. And there are Native mm-hmm. American cave paintings on the wall oh, there. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a major. <laughs> That's how much of a point it was in this movie. Yeah, yeah. In this short, short, short <laughs> So they they get this started, and then we have this is also, and this is using my favorite kind of thing. This is the monster episode, if you will. This is the monster. Story. I love a good monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love a good monster. Exactly. This was just goofy. Uh, but not funny goofy not like the first segment this was just silly this felt like a bad B horror film yeah and you know what Chris remember not that long ago I had to keep bringing up VHS we watched a movie that was based off of that first segment of VHS Amateur Night it was Uh called Siren and it was just they took that monster character and made a giant mess out of it and this felt very similar just bad kills no no care for the characters and it's it just What's the point? I couldn't yeah. understand the point. And the shortest of all the stories too, it like went by really quickly, and I just felt like, what did I watch? And I was really kind of confused by it. Like, yeah, um, with those type of of stories, I'm not the biggest monster movie fan as big as you guys are. But when you have a, a kind of a stalkerish monster, you expect some good kills, and there was like this was bloodless. Um, I think they I, splattered something they on a window at one point. It, when we're talking about, you know, we disagree about the, the, the grotesque scene in the first film, but that was actually really well done. Um, oh, no, no. As a set piece, in, in the first, it was. In the yeah. first, uh, first segment, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah. Very well done. Very grotesque. And this one, you know, you expect to see a monster ripping someone apart, at least, if that's all this was, which is kind of all it is. There's no payoff. There's no, um, you know... No good kills. There's, there's. It doesn't deliver at any I level. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't even remember how many people were in it. I, I, 
I remember talking to my wife, like, oh, they're edgy. They have the uh, marijuana leaf with the 420 on the side of their bus. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. It's just like, it, it was stupid and The, the whole mythology that they wanted to open up doesn't go anywhere. I no. don't even understand. Like, I pre- no, it's just a... Uh, yeah, you're right. They, if they expanded on that, mm-hmm. make it a bit, mythology a bit more explained. Uh, perhaps that might have been better to have a full-length movie, get rid of all the actresses and start over with that, but maybe a full-length movie Well, they did that. do, they did do that. It was called The Darkness, and it was awful. Oh, <laughs> oh God. Do you remember that? Yeah. Well, the thing is here, this is where, <clears throat> this one's clearly here because you've got female director, but there's no other tying to it. That theme, that connecting theme, isn't strong enough. Like, no. they didn't do anything with it. So just saying, hey... So this, there's literally zero female directors. Why, why can't the female directors have their segments with there's everybody zero else? zero the other... A zero percentage of, like, female yeah. perspective at all of that one. So the last one, I actually... I did like the last one. Me too. Uh, Karen Kusama, it was the best directed. I think it had <clears> some of the best <throat> acting in it. Um, it's a theme we've seen before. Uh, it's, again, a mother dealing with a child. Supernatural... There's mm-hmm. a lot of the elements we expect to see, stuff involving cults and mm-hmm. you know supernatural evil. I liked it all the way up to the end. You see, that's the end was kind of what clicked for me. I thought they took an interesting turn, and I'm not sure what part we could be talking mm-hmm. about different parts of the end. But I thought that what we were seeing was interesting. Like, it was an appeal. It's the one thing we don't see in that kind of movie. The kind of movie that this is... There's a specific movie that if I say it, it almost gives away what this short is based mm-hmm. off of an oh. old classic movie yes, yes. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, and if i say that it's you you kind of know where everything's going you figure it out anyway but this was a kind of an appeal to if we're talking about what's the real world correlation we talk about you have when your family falls out of your control what about we have this child who's growing up to be someone that you feel is alien and not not part of what you want for them and mm-hmm. you see them you see their destination you know that's where they're headed. You do everything in your power to prevent it, and they're going there anyway. That's kind of mm-hmm. what this is. Um, now, what was it about it that you didn't like? Well, it was just uh, the way that it ended. It was so quick. Like, Oh, yeah. No, I will agree with that. Was like, the, 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 the culminating moment that yes. led up to it, I really thought that was a strong kind of... Yeah, and then it was just like, poof. And then, yeah, it takes like me this off. split yes. second, like, wow, that was, it was okay. Confusing. <laughs> right. So, what actually happened in the end? I was like, well, it's I, a question, really, of like, what's the fight over? Are we? Yeah, but, yeah. You know, and, and I thought those things were interesting. The, the parent part of me probably connected more with that one than the other one. Overall, would you really recommend this, guys? I'm like, no. a really have a wavy hand on it. I'm like, if you're a if you're an anthology completist, sure, but there was nothing in this that's really worth yeah, writing I mean, home about. You have that. Is it a good horror movie? No. Is it a good like feminist movie? You're looking at it from that perspective. No, there's really not a whole lot there. Uh, it's nothing about this movie going to scare anybody. Um, I would like. I am really again. I, I loved the box, but for me, I would maybe watch that one and then <laughs> like. Well, I'll say watch this. something you else. Can, yeah, maybe watch something else. We're all saying one. this. I think we all liked at least one of the, the yeah. episodes uh-huh. in here. So maybe you should. You. But here's the thing about this particular one. We're also saying it's almost not connected. You can go. And watch them individually, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't miss anything. And, I mean, yeah, you know. really. And, and very quickly with the last one, I, I, you're right. There is no real kind of feminist thing going on with these stories, especially I feel in the last one. Um, just, See, I think like, the, I think that we're we're getting that wrong. I think they weren't saying this is a a feminist strong feminist movie. A lot of feminist thing. It's a lot. It's just be supposed to be from the female perspective, and in that case, I think that succeeds very well. The last one because it's yeah. definitely about the mother's relationship with the, the son. The feminist yeah. stuff or the female kind of touting this is the female yeah. movies mm-hmm. didn't really come so much. I think from the film, though they're calling it XX. So yeah, you're sort of yeah, like getting was, it. It was the marketing. Yeah. Strong mm-hmm. women in there, and this woman especially in the last one, and I like that one. She behaves like kind of the 1950s housewife. Over and over again. Well, I think but yet, even her, even at her final <clears throat> moments, she was at her most strong. Like, I think that was that kind of the twist. I mean, when yeah. I get into it, the, the 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 thematic twist is, you know, housewives can be strong too, and I appreciate that element because yeah, you mean, get to a point where, well, that's not a valid choice anymore, and it's like a person caring for their child to the degree that they're going to put themselves out there like that. That seems to be some of the themes that are going on. I don't know. I think you could read too much into it. As a horror movie, it just wasn't successful to me. Yeah. No. Um, I will not probably uh, be watching that one again. No. <laughs> no. 
No, no. I yeah, it's not one. It's not one to write home about. And I, I really anthology movies need to get better. Yes, please. I love a good anthology movie. So it's been a long time since I've had a good experience with them. Unfortunately, <clears throat> we've talked about one horror movie that wasn't great. I feel like maybe we should go to a horror movie that we all liked. I agree. Um, yeah. Let's do, do that. You want to talk about the Black Coat's Daughter? This is uh, sure. currently sure. streaming on Amazon Prime. This is another movie from the director. Uh, if you if you've seen the movie on Netflix, I'm the pretty pretty thing that lives in the house. Mm-hmm. That's the full title. With some of these long titles on these Netflix yeah. movies, yes. I'm the pretty thing that that lives down the lane uh, in the world that I don't feel safe in anymore. <laughs> uh, this is a very atmospheric, very strange... Yes, very atmospheric. Uh, Jason, you want to talk about this one? Do you want to set it up for us? In a um, kind of a, a boarding school, is that, is that mm-hmm. the best word to say it? Um, right around the time of a break, um, I think winter break maybe, mm-hmm. and this one girl stranded there, and yet there is another girl kind of making her way there, kind of hitchhiking along the way. Yeah, those are two se- there's two there's stories two separate sort of stories. parallel. And uh, other than that, um, with even without, I don't want to get away spoilers, but it's kind of, you kind of have to see it. It's, it. It does get very, you have to pay attention to this. It's not like you, you actually mm-hmm. have to pay attention to what's going on um, in order to make it click, but I just found that just the way it was shot, the kind of sense of dread it builds, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, that's it culminates into some pretty graphic violence, which is kind of interesting too. Because sometimes these movies that build on that slow burn don't really end with a good payoff. But I felt this one really did. I, I felt it was actually scary to me. I felt it was very creepy to me. Um, I thought that the payoff worked. I would. Um, I'm definitely going to be watching it again. And it was just. It was one of the the better horror movies I've seen this year. Um, I thought the performances were all very, very good. There's really, there's really nothing I could find wrong with this movie, quite honestly. Uh, there was, it's, it's a really thought provoking kind of weird movie. That's, I just, I, I really, really loved it. So, you mm-hmm. know, I would highly recommend it already, but <laughs> I want to hear what you guys I think would say that you're right on when you're talking about building dread. Um, I didn't find the movie super scary, but I did feel that it was very successful with, just a constant state of dread, like something, something not right is really happening the entire mm-hmm. time. Whether it's just like in both a stories. girl, yeah, yeah, it's like yes, two girls like talking to each other in an empty boarding school, and there's like one's being standoffish, and there's something really kind of weird and wrong there. Mm-hmm. At or like some some girls a hitchhiker with a man and his wife in a car. And there's something odd about it. Like, there's always isolation. There's like yes. because it sets yes. it at this break time. It reminds me the movie itself doesn't, but like that choosing that setting reminds me a little bit of the original Black Christmas, mm-hmm. from like the '70s, where yeah, it definitely a, has that vibe. Yeah, yeah, you get a lot of like atmosphere out of the fact that like everyone's kind of gone off this mm-hmm. campus. Mm-hmm. These characters are here. They're put in a position, and very early on, the one female character who's there, we know things are a little odd with her, and she's like. She seems like talking to her like imaginary <laughs> friend while the priest is talking oh, to her. Oh, that was really and, creepy like, to me. That scene is like you. I were... want you to see my performance. It was yeah. Ooh, the whole thing felt almost like Kubrickian, <clears throat> a little like almost like The, the Shining. Shining. Yeah. I was going to say mm-hmm. like the there's Shining. scenes of, and and yeah. Let's. I think it is a period piece, but it's hard to re- like. It's really made to feel, regardless of when it's happening, it's really made to feel like a 1970s horror film. I think mm-hmm. that's the style. Uh, yes. Like it, it's made very much in that vein. It's not quite to the point of like some of these movies where they're trailing really make you think, this was made in the nineteen seventies. I mean it's not quite there. There's another movie you mm-hmm. and I are gonna talk about that like, hey, they made this just like House of the Devil, they made it to seem just like a horror movie from the eighties or the seventies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that whole styling is like it's got that Rosemary's baby kind of thing going on where to begin with everything is sort of evoked. It's not really uh explicit. In terms of like not not just graphic violence, but what's happening, like the super, I think it's fair to say there's a supernatural angle to this movie. Yes, it's handled in a really understated way. The same yes. night I when I saw this, I saw it back to back with a screening of Don't Don't Knock Twice or something, which is kind of like this uh, Katie Sackhoff horror movie with a kind of ghostly creature, and yeah. it's like uh, it's got all the jump scares you expect. It's got the the difference in tone. 
given what this movie's about, yeah. it uh, hands it in a really like fascinating sort of way. I don't remember any jump scares at all in this. And no, and it's more disturbing when the violence and the the oh yeah the creepy moments occur. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think they did a nice job. Yeah, the acting was really good. In both things, but I was surprised because in the other segment, Emma Roberts, in most of the stuff I've seen her in, I've never been a huge like fan of work. I thought she did a really good job in this movie. In she had a very way. distinctly good role in this. Like yeah. She did a yes. pretty good and job. I think what's cool is both of these stories are strong and creepy on their own. They do, of course, have a dovetail moment. It wouldn't make sense if they didn't, but... Mm-hmm. Without the dovetail moment, they're still pretty effective. They're yeah. effective yeah. as mm-hmm. their own piece. And when you tie them together, they create this portrait. This movie's not just a horror movie. It's a drama, too. There's a drama. like it's, Oh, absolutely. You can kind of like yeah. key in with what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end, you feel there's some poignancy along with the the, the grotesque moments or the creepiness. <laughs> yeah. So I, I agree. I, this is Osgood per- Perkins' second movie. He technically directed this before. Yes. The, I'm the pretty thing that lives in the house. I recommend both of them. I think they're both good in different ways. Yes. I mm-hmm. think this one's a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I think I, the things that this one... This is also more of a traditional horror movie, would you yeah. say, than... than the other one's the, good, maybe. I, I'm mm-hmm. not going to run back to see I'm the pretty thing that lives in the house again, but this one... Yeah, I, so yeah, I would I totally it. recommend The Black Coat Star. And since we're mm-hmm. on this sort of... The wavelength of these kind of 1970s creepy girl movies... Uh, let's talk a little. Well, we've got one to talk about, and then we'll hand hand it over to Chris for a real, an actual throwback movie. Yes, well, yes. Uh, right now on Shutter, which is another sort of streaming service, it caters pretty much to horror movies, mm-hmm. and it's probably different podcasts talk about. It. I've mentioned it a few times. I think if you're a person who really loves horror movies, it's probably is also the caveat, Chris. That you and I've talked about this. If you're a person who loves horror movies but maybe hasn't seen that many, Shutter is a great option. Mm-hmm. For those of us who've seen tons and tons of horror movies, and Jason, I don't know how you feel, but it's like I feel like I've seen a lot of what's already on Shutter. It's hard to like. I really have to kind of dig to find stuff. But that being said, they do offer a lot of different sort of esoteric choices. Yes. I think on there, and Lo- uh, Sweet Sweet Lonely Girl is on there right now. It's a new movie, uh, 2016, 2017. Mm-hmm. Has a lot in common, I would say, with The Black Coat's Daughter, just in terms of it's going for this kind of esoteric kind of 1970s feel. Mm-hmm. It definitely has this emphasis on a young girl about the same age, sort of coming of age. We saw a lot of movies in the 1970s like that, and you basically it was either going to become an exploitation movie or it was going to become a horror movie. <laughs> yes. You had a young girl at the center of it. Uh, there's act- elements we mentioned, like The Little Girl Lives Down the Lane. We're kind of mocking that title, but that movie with Jodie Foster, The Little Girl Who Lives Down the Lane mm-hmm. from the 70s, that movie, I felt like the main character in this movie and her her scenario didn't feel all that different from that movie you know where she's very much isolated she's alone this is a mix of like house of the devil and the black coat's daughter yes uh the difference is this one is straight up kind of it's all in on that i want to look like a 70s movie with the credits and the music and and the the even the roman numerals for the date at the beginning i really want to see this one soft focus it's not a bad movie i think when you tr- when you look at it it's a it's a movie that's mostly style with not a lot of substance yeah but individual moments make you think it might be building to substance it, it starts to create some strange relationships you've got a relative who's she's she's goes to this relative's house mm-hmm. her own home situation is very weird yeah you, you don't know what's going on there to begin with there's a creepy relative behind a door that doesn't really come out. She's rather frightening, though, I will admit. She is, yeah. <laughs> there are creepy moments. Who this doesn't thing, have a relative like that in their house? This, not like that. Is, <laughs> I hope not. And, and then she kind of starts a relationship or kind of begins to hone in on this one young girl. So you've yeah. got a little bit of that. And visually, it's nice. It's interesting. It really does feel like a short horror story. Yeah. And when it when it lingers, it, it is very patient, but it almost lingers too long. Like, there's I, a lot of yeah. lingering without payoff. Like, Black Coat's Daughter, I feel like a lot of times when it lingers, it's developing a sense of tension or mood or something like that. This is mm-hmm. like a lot of pretty pictures, a lot of creepy atmosphere, and then it's all dependent on is it going to pay off. And to me, the story just didn't quite make enough sense. Like, yeah. what happened was creepy, but I couldn't quite tell you what happened. Yeah, that's... Um, Darling I, was a movie that... Mm-hmm. Like that. Yeah. that was a good movie, too. I, I remember, because I saw this and I recommended it to you... And then when you um, showed me the movies we we're going to talk about today, I almost had to rethink of what was this movie about. So, I was like, <laughs> in the mo- and, and right after seeing it, it kind of hits you with, "Oh, that's a pretty interesting idea. What are they really going at?" It, it's kind of ambiguous in the end, but it kind of 
fades from memory rather quickly, at least for me. So I, I liked it when I initially saw it, but looking back on it, I'm like, eh, I think if you're a horror know. fan, this is like, and it's it's there on oh Shutter. If yeah. you have Shutter, it's not something you should like. You could take a free trial of Shutter. It's not worth a free trial of Shutter to see this movie. No, I'm sure it will eventually make its way to Netflix or Amazon Prime. It's not, um, and honestly. I wouldn't even quite say it. It, it. It's probably worth like the four dollar rental, but I wouldn't say it's much beyond that. It's yeah. like it's a rental. You, uh, it's got some interesting things about it. I think some of the problem is actually, even though I like that, I when I'm watching and I, I love the comfort of that. Oh, they we've taken this template, you know, the '70s film, and made a like a mock film from mm-hmm. this era. And this one's pretty close to being. Like, you could almost take this, put it in a giant VHS or something, and, and, and fool someone into thinking it's the real deal from that time period. Yes. There's almost no, even more so than House of the Devil. There's almost nothing in this that you wouldn't believe that was made. Even the filmmaking is mm. such that it's like, that's a, that could be a 70s movie. Yeah. And, almost, and really more like a 70s TV horror movie. It's kind of what yeah, I, the it's vibe a, yeah, I Yeah, there's not it. a lot. I don't even remember. I don't think there's a lot of violence, or if at all, maybe. Um, it's just, yeah. it, it, it's... I don't it's know interesting. If I recommend it or not? Honestly, I'm like, it's it depends like on the effort and money you have to expend to see it. If you can see it for <laughs> free, yeah. I think I think if you've got the Shutter subscription, it's worth an evening of your time. If you can see it on Netflix or something like that, I would. But as a horror fan, I mean, if you're someone else's listeners and you're looking for a starting place with horror, I wouldn't. This no. is this is again that person that's like, I just want to see a, I want to watch a movie. Yeah. I want to mm-hmm. see a horror movie. Sometimes that's where I'm at. Yeah. on like Netflix or something and that's yeah. where I was when you recommended it I was like you know what Jen and I we watched it together we, I will say we saw both this and then at a different point we saw Black Coat's Daughter we were really impressed with that this one we were like oh okay what's next you know like yeah, that's on to exactly, the next thing yeah so Chris you watched one on Amazon that Prime. is this is an, a deep cut if you will this is a deep cut and this, I was in the exact same mood you were when you're saying what's next I was on Amazon Prime I don't know how I stumbled across this Invasion of the Bee Girls. Have you ever seen that? I have. In fact, that's a legitimate also, '70s movie. I also found Roger Ebert's review of it. Oh, really? <laughs> what? Did half, he watch it? He watched. Wow. You got to remember though, Roger Ebert. That, so, Invasion of the Bee Girls is kind of like one of those '70s horn dog, aka Graveyard Tramps, was the alternate title. Oh, the God, Bee Girls man, title man. makes more sense. Given yes, the movie. it the does. Graveyard Tramps. That makes like, no so sense. What's a totally different yeah. kind of movie comes to that's mind. That's how it came up. Like uh, no, Graveyard as a Tramps title. seems like a sequel to Frank on and Amazon. Robert. Is yeah. this almost a mystery science theater? It's oh, close. Totally, okay. yeah. Like... Remember, though, that Roger Ebert is the guy who co-wrote Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Ooh. So he he was in, you know, he was a I little guess. cheesecake yeah. fan. Uh, and there's plenty of cheesecake. And you can here. tell in his reviews, reviews are two and a half stars, so it's like he's trying to say he liked it, but he doesn't want to commit to liking <laughs> it. Yeah. You know, I'm you... not going to go so far as to commit to liking it. So. Yeah, you set it up. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is just a totally, like, late night, cheeseoid you know exploitation cinema kind of thing uh you know i i don't even know how i ended up getting around to watching it but i was like i the thing has such poor quality on amazon prime that i wouldn't really recommend it traps you a lot of times yes i saw the poster on this i could see why you turned it off. yeah exactly uh but yeah um so it's a movie about uh a, a series of murders have been happening in the small town you know what could it possibly be? Well, <laughs> B. believe it or not, oh, it's know. a it's a it's not even an invasion. It's just a science gone amok. Uh, you know, because there's a a, a uh, scientist doing science experiments. Woo! And he is somehow it has never fully explained how somehow like one of his lab assistants is you know a beautiful girl and she gets turned into like a bee woman or something out of this. Like he's studying these bees and all of a sudden she turns into a bee woman. They never really explain how it Tell starts. Why men are dying? Men are dying <laughs> only men because they will they will make love to them and then die. They're sexual killer exhaustion. bees. Sexual They're exhaustion. They they'll oh take the Lord shots. Heaven. The shot of the guy, like the dead guy, and the police take a picture, and it's just his face is like ashen, like he's been drained of life, like it's horrible looking, oh. so, so cheesy. <laughs> um, how did I end up getting to watch this thing? I like why, um, oh. but I, I do remember I, the one thing you, you talk about. You? Yeah, right. As if. <laughs> If that's what I wanted to see, I wouldn't watch this thing. Um, <laughs> let's just say, the, the thing that amused me was the same thing we were complaining about with the, the eyes turning black. When the B-girls look normal, 
except for when they're about to go sexy time on you, their eyes turn black, and that's when you know they've turned into a bee woman and are about to kill you. Who's paying attention at that point? <laughs> exactly. Well, well, the best part about this movie looking at the eyes. is just for its sheer ridiculousness is a scene where they tr- like a bunch of these bee girls try to um, take one of the, the wives of these husbands that have been killed and turn her into one of them. And they just, they go through, they do their uh, scientific experiences weird, like... Tell me it's a dance, like the Batman TV show. <laughs> Almost. Ooh, they're like, science. they're these, you know, they, they shoot these weird bee rays at her, and you don't know what it is. It's just they're shooting some flashlight on them, and then oh uh, slathering them with some kind of, like... Uh, Honey. Honey, yeah. I would assume that's what it was, but it was very thick and pasty, like maybe oh, it's supposed Lord, to be man. royal jelly or something, you know? Oh. Like, and covering them with that... <laughs> And then letting them bake in a little box, and then they come out and they rip it off this like thick with layer of rubber, hair, right? With perfect hair, perfect stuff. beehive hair. Oh. <laughs> Do they fly? No, unfortunately, oh. that would have made the movie See, they even were better. Fluttering. But the best thing about the movie, it was okay, fluttering. I thought that was. <laughs> a, I demand a remake. A yeah, fairly long, somewhat this. amusing sequence when they turn this woman into a bee woman. But really, the funniest thing about it was like all these old like misogynistic men and stuff in there and like the at a certain point probably there was this like old fat guy they had like a jaws scene almost where the towns in the in town meeting you know and these scientists are like guys we need you to stop you know copulating essentially we need you to stop having sex with people because you're gonna die like and oh, the, there's this like fat old dude up front he's like Heck no, I'm going to be the only one who tells me that. I was like, what? Oh my God. Body empowerment. <laughs> it, was, it was ridiculous. Uh, there's there's no real redeeming qualities. I would not recommend anyone watch no. it, but it was a cheesy evening of... Ebert had that line in his review where he's like, he didn't... It's like, I'm not sure how the detective came to the understanding that they were bee women, but he did watch an informational video about bees. Yes! <laughs> it was like they literally pasted like five, a documentary five or bees. ten minutes of bee documentary oh. towards the end of this thing into it. Well, like, here's an oh. in, it, there were two interesting facts I've had online about this. One of them is it points out, no, none of the women featured in this movie were bee cups. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this is an actual fact. That's on the really funny, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and the other interesting fact is this movie was written by Nicholas Meyer. You'd assume it'd be written by Russ Meyer, but no, it was Nicholas Meyers, who actually is the director of Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. What? And, and this is his first Hollywood. This is his best sci-fi, and he was film. so horrified by what had been produced from it that he wanted his name taken off, and they're like. Dude, it's publicity. Just go with it. So, <laughs> you've got Nicholas Meyer. He's he's even doing a couple new episodes of the new Star Trek Discovery. And oh, my. His, his uh, resume starts with Invasion of the Bee Girls. Mm-hmm. Or Graveyard Tramps. Quite quite a way to start your career off. I, I might have to watch this. No, I wouldn't I, recommend it. If you're a fan of bad sci-fi, it almost sounds, it sounds like it's... So but if you, horrible. I'm a Plan that, 9. Like I feel like it's in that vein. Well, it's definitely in that vein, yeah. Except Plan 9 never really had, like naked women all over the place so okay yeah. <laughs> i don't know uh go for it see what betsy has to say oh yeah let's ask this because there may be people listening to this to watch the beat this movie being in the 60s that and whatnot it's always hard to tell <laughs> this movie's explicit not really i mean it's it's rated r because there's you know exposed chest areas and stuff but, but i mean it's, it's not, a, it is it's, it's not like um, this isn't attack of the killer tomatoes you're not gonna watch this with your kids no you're not gonna watch it with your kids but also it's nothing that's like it's it, not a it, it's Roger not Paul the r-rated uh, movie of today exactly it's not it's exactly that right it's not up to the r-rated level that we are this today, is not so. a russ Meyer this is not a from the okay. 50 shades of bees no okay so no. all right that fair enough <laughs> yeah so we're on the weird, kooky stuff. Uh, let's talk about. Have you guys a- noticed something? We've all been wa- talking about movies with girls and women and stuff in it. Like we got the XX, the female directors. Then you Ooh. had Black Coat's Daughter. Then you had Little Sweet Lonely Girl. Then Invasion of the Bee Girls. We're all female oh. power until we got to your movie. Yeah, <laughs> well, I bring it back. I'm they sorry. are the ones murdering. Though. They have yeah. all the power. You're yeah, right. There you go. See, I'm not a misogynist. <laughs> no, I'm not. So. Well, we're going to continue that theme a little bit because this is another movie from a female director. This is a sci-fi movie, a very quirky, weird sci-fi movie. It just came on uh, Amazon Prime and other streaming services last weekend. It is called The Bad Batch. And I am a huge fan of this director, and, you, and I'm jealous that you've seen it. You snickered over there, Jason. It's not that kind of batch. Uh, 
I didn't know it was from the B women or Yeah. Um no, there is a movie I think on Netflix, the Bad Batch, it is about like um pop brownies or something. Probably But um this is this is the newest movie from Anna Lily Amrapour who mm-hmm. did The Girl Walks or A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. See oh. that black and white vampire film? I've never seen that yet. Oh, that's so highly good. recommended. You gotta watch it on Netflix. This one is she's got a little bit more of a budget. She there's uh, a few more stars in this one. It is a kind of a Mad Max sort of. I'd say Mad Max crossed a little bit with a boy and his dog, which you guys can also see on Amazon Prime. It's a post-apocalyptic oh. uh, movie. You've got this young girl. The the opening of this is very evocative. You've this young girl who's sort of. The Bad Batch is referencing basically undesirables and people who have committed crimes, regardless of what the mm-hmm. crime crimes seem to be a little bit questionable what constitutes a crime in this kind of future society. You're basically put out into this sort of desert wasteland, and this is where the Bad Batch goes. You are, mm. you're tagged, they walk you out, and then after that, you're not their problem anymore. You give a backpack a couple of waters and walk that way. Nice. And of course, out in the, there are varying communities out here one of these communities is a kind of like hippie commune area run by this really sort of charismatic cult leader named the dream who's played by keanu reeves <laughs> with like a kind of dirtbag 70s mustache yes actually he's really he, he has a very interesting role in this movie and then there's a group of cannibals that live near these big down plains and jason momoa <laughs> who, who's miami man he's got miami tattoos man. and everything and he, uh, the the cannibals live out here, and they're all like it's very bizarre because their entire little enclave is like all bodybuilders and stuff. But they like capture these people, chain them up, and like cut the body parts off and eat them. So they kind of got that thing. Yeah, yeah, they got that going. And you you sit there and hang out, watch them work out all day, and every once in a while they come up and chop your arm off and <laughs> and eat it. And like there's scenes of Momoa doing this while he's listening to Culture Club's Karma Chameleon on like his headphones. So that it's a like very violent. <laughs> This is nice. To, yeah, yeah. So you'll. I think you'll like this movie. I, I. This is. It's not as strong as a girl walks home like. It's definitely a mashup of genres. The main uh, actress here. She's very. Her character is interesting, but the movie is a lot more esoteric than it is character driven. You see her kind of go through these different settings. You see things happening to her. The beginning is kind of harrowing because she's attacked and assaulted by the cannibals right up front. And this movie doesn't back away from, like, violence. Mm. Uh, but it's also, it's in its very nature, I wouldn't call it a deeply violent movie. It's not an action extravaganza like Mad Max. It's a much more weird, trippy, kind of uh, quirky movie that is kind of just you're getting to see these characters in strange situations. Jim Carrey has a cameo in here as like a like wandering kind of vagrant who walks across the wasteland <laughs> gathering up garbage. Uh, Giambani Rabisi's in there. There's a lot of different weird cameos. Neat. He's and still getting work. He is. Uh, yeah, I guess it's. Uh, but I'd say it's worthwhile. It. There are moments where some of the artistic choices in Girl Walks Home Alone Night. It always felt like it was right on that cusp of. It could go into kind of arty pretentious, but it always kind of stayed for me on the side of just like artistically strange. The choices they made worked mm-hmm. for it. This movie, for the most part, feels a little more mainstream, so not all of the choices necessarily worked for me. Like, the sometimes it would start to, it would tease a story being more story driven than, say, artistically driven, and the pacing wasn't quite as good. Mm-hmm. But, me saying this movie's not as good as Girl Walks Home Alone at Night is not really fair because I thought that movie was so strong. That was mm-hmm. a really strong like first movie. It was so really a more totally about the different ambience. experience. Uh, it is, but but in some ways not. Like some of the things she did in that movie that worked don't work as well here because the the basic structure of the movie is more uh, is more conventional. So you're waiting. You know when when we have an interesting scene of. Uh, Momoa and this young girl are out in the desert night looking at the stars and they're just you know she's saying things but she's not actually talking it's all in her mind mm-hmm. it's this weird ass, you know a scene like that works in Girl Walks Home Alone at Night True. Yeah. in the midst of this sort of more more story driven outing it feels like a weird departure mm-hmm. but I think you guys I think you'll both find things to like about yeah. it I really liked it I thought uh, it was a strong second movie this isn't like Richard Kelly's Donnie Darko, where you see someone make something great, and then they're like, "What happened? You had no talent. Fool me once." But uh, did he even make anything else? He made two movies: Southland Tales and The Box. 
no relation to the box we were just talking about. Oh, I did no. see the box. That's a Richard yeah, Madison story. Yeah, yeah. It was terrible. Yeah, but he, he destroyed it. And uh, this, though, I like, and I would recommend it. She's definitely a director, I think, to watch out for. I do recommend Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. First, you can rent this or buy it for fourteen ninety nine on Amazon. I bought it. I No regrets there. I think if you're a fan, I would say watch it first. Um, but to me, it, it's it's a... It's worth having around. It's a good, it's a good movie. You can see it this way as opposed to go to the theater. It's up to you. So, that is the Bad Batch, and sounds good. I like that. Yeah, I think I think you will like. I it. really like Fury Road. So even though it's not exactly the same, I like that. It it plays in that weird, same universe. Futuristic. Chris, let's talk Aksha. Sure, let's do it. So this is. Uh, Jong Bon Ho's new movie. He did previously. He's done the host. He did a movie called Mother, a movie most people probably haven't seen called Memories of Murder. Is a very early sort of police procedural hmm. that a uh, Korean. The host, Mother, and uh, Memories of Murder were all solely done in his homeland of Korea. You know, they were mm-hmm. all Korean films. Mm-hmm. Snowpiercer, which is the movie mm-hmm. from a few years ago, which kind of started this international kind of. Uh, you know, melting pot style kind of filmmaking where he brings all these different pieces together. He's got several actors that were in the host in his previous movies, but then he's got act. Uh, yeah, he has actors like Octavia Spencer, Chris Evans. I mean, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. Well, Jake Gyllenhaal's in this one, but like Chris Evans was in Snowpiercer, oh, in- and Ed, uh, <laughs> Ed Harris, Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton's in both films. Yeah, sure. Snowpiercer. Did you see Snowpiercer? Yes, I love Snowpiercer. Okay. And I think if you... Snowpiercer was a weird mashup of genres. It sometimes went so out there. Lost me a little bit. There were a lot of people raving about it at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a movie... It's just a strange kind of experience. It's a, You almost get whiplash with all the genres floating about. Yeah. So now we get Aksha, which when I first hear about it and I first see the pictures, uh, it looks like a cute kid sci-fi movie. Like, mm-hmm. just hearing, oh, this is coming to Netflix, I see a giant super pig. Like, it looks like a hippo, <laughs> wouldn't you say, Chris? Yes, yeah, kind of like... Uh, engineered hippo and it's a little girl is there playing with it the little uh, Korean girl and it looks almost like something from a Miyazaki movie come to life and I'm thinking it's going to be perfect yeah. for my kids and then I hear Tilda Swinton you know say oh, it's not important only that our super pigs leave a small you know eco footprint but it's important that they be effing delicious and I was like <laughs> oh wait maybe this isn't uh... and then there were some there were some allusions to the fact that the super pigs are being butchered and eaten and yes. that may happen to Aksha which is this particular super pig the basic premise is that Tilda Swinton is the head of a giant company that apparently committed some atrocities during <laughs> wartime and she's trying to salvage the uh, the, the company's image, image yeah. by doing something friendly and wonderful by getting this food source that's going to revolutionize And by the everything. way, lying to everybody about where that food source came from. That's, that's very true. Yeah. We're saying that they we found these... Um, what, Argentinian or Chilean They found or some, something. like, yeah, random pigs somewhere. Yeah, they said, we found them here and we've been cultivating them. And we have 24 of them and we're going to be sending them out to farmers. And this is inter- kind of an interesting idea because they send them as babies and then in 10 years we'll come and collect, get, them. collect the yeah. pig and they'll be grown and we'll see who the, the biggest super pig is and all that kind of stuff. And that's the basic setup. We come back 10 years later, we see kind of where the world is and you've got Aksha, which is one of the grown super pigs. And the young girl who is kind of like has become her caretaker because mm-hmm. the pig really belongs to her grandfather. She and her grandfather are living on a mountain in Korea. Chris, what do you think? Um, I thought it was interesting that you mentioned it's kind of like you, you started to suspect it was kind of like a children's sci-fi kind of movie. Almost like something you'd see out of Miyazaki. And then all of a sudden you hear like the F-bombs coming out of Tilda Swinton's mouth. That kind of was startling when like the whole movie was so strange with all the different things that were going on and the characters that inhabited it i could appreciate the the weird and quirkiness of it i kind of got a little bit of um feeling of that french director of uh children city of lost children yeah Yeah. like i got some of that in it but it never um elevated to the quirkiness and the style of it like really selling the movie to me uh, it it was just after a while it felt a little weird and awkward to me personally just me um, watching it the thing that really threw it off was like everything's so sweethearted and then all of a sudden things go down dark directions but like the whole time people are throwing out F-bombs like it's nobody's business and it's like going out of style I was like this it would be a perfectly fine children's film 
except for that for the most part like and the darkness of them trying to sell these super pigs as meat you know it just was kind of a strange mixture it definitely has a fable sensibility to it like and and it still feels like a children's film in a lot of ways i say children's film i say it feels like a family film Mm -hmm. uh like maybe pg-13 but mm-hmm. I could see there's some definitely some Spielberg sort of influences mm-hmm. there. There's definitely Miyazaki influences. Miyazaki might have actually made the whole same movie, minus the F-bombs, left <laughs> all the stuff about eating the super pigs in, and because it was animated, no one would have batted an eye. Yeah. You think about some of Miyazaki stuff. Princess You're talking Mononoke about the, tu- and the stuff. Tanuki yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. So uh, J- Japan has a pretty high tolerance for that. We probably could have gotten away with a lot of that in the animated form. Uh, so it sounds like you did get the tonal genre whiplash a little bit. A little bit, and I think uh, another part of that too was the uh, just the performances by all the actors. Uh, it was a little jarring to me. Um, just some of the characters were just caricatures, yeah. really. I mean, I know that sounds kind of weird to say like that, but well, no, because if you've seen Snowpiercer, like Tilda Swinton's literally almost playing a cartoon character. Yeah, like and that is so yeah. so integral to me. That's yes. such a big part of the movie that. On a whole, it didn't really work for me, and it's because I just don't really connect with that. I don't think compared to what she did in Snowpiercer, she feels like she's playing a documentary character. In <laughs> show. Oh, she was ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> let's put it this way: Snowpiercer even had a character in there named Gilliam. Like that's how much <laughs> they were like, "Yeah, we're just doing Terry Gilliam." Like, yeah. and it has that feel. I really liked Akcha a lot, but I do agree that tonally it's all over the map, and I don't know that some of these tonal choices were actually necessary. Or make it a stronger movie. I mean, I think a lot of people are going to try to say, hey, it's really original, which it is. Yeah, I'll give it's, them that. Uh, I mean, I didn't fresh, hate the movie. It's creative. It's enjoyable. Yeah. But with a few changes, some of what this movie's trying to say, you do need that tonal shift where we, we put things in bright, happy packages and we want to sell them as bright, happy things. But there's a dark underside to them. And the Literally idea, the no one wants to see how the sausage is made. Yeah, that's right. And you <laughs> see how the sausage right. is made in this movie yeah. in graphic terms. Oh, and okay. you've already come to care about one of these creatures. Uh, and the other thing about this is, you know, some people want to hear, oh, I don't need a movie tells me not to eat meat. That don't think that's what this movie's about. No. Would you agree? It's more nuanced than that. Yeah. For one thing, it's kind of like Soylent Green. I think Soylent Green's not saying don't eat meat. It's saying don't eat people. <laughs> and I mean, in this, uh, in this case, the Aksha creatures, it's like 101 Dalmatians. It's not like uh, don't wear fur. It's called don't make puppies into fur. Uh, <laughs> there's certain basic things here. There are nuances to the story, but I think you make a good point. While there are nuances to the relationship between the young girl and Aksha, which I think is really touching, which is really yeah, good, I actually really enjoyed that part. Belongs like in yeah. almost a whole other movie. The stuff with not just Tilda Swinton. So you've got the corporations. I think the points it's making about corporations are interesting. But her character, the Jake Gyllenhaal character, which is kind of this oh, totally off the wall kids like like kids nature guy who sells out to be the corporation uh-huh. like face of the corporation and he loses his mind seemingly in the process. He has no real character arc. He feels like Joaquin Phoenix was busy, so they hired Jake Gyllenhaal to play Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix, playing his character. You tell me looking at me like, that's Joaquin that's Phoenix. That's totally like, right. When I first saw yeah. the trailer, I thought it was Joaquin Phoenix. And Gyllenhaal <laughs> cool. is straining against it, though. Like, he's not... It's a goofy. It's a goofy part. It doesn't really amount to much. Yeah. But Acha, the special effects are great. Some of the little action scenes they do do feel like something out of a Spielberg movie. Towards the end, the stuff in the plant, I was engaged by it. I think a kid would be engaged by it, but the kids don't need all this other stuff that's in it. Particularly the cursing, the the language. I'm not sure comments is approved. There's no real reason to have the f bombs here. They don't add anything yeah, no. to the story. There's a couple. There's a weird scene where Gyllenhaal's going to mate Octa with this big other mutant thing, and it comes out snorting and making hog noises. And you're like, please, I don't want to see that. You know, there's a lot of weird harrowing stuff at certain points. Where you're like, the choices don't necessarily add anything to the overall theme of the movie. And I think if if someone a parent felt comfortable showing a ten year old, I think it is important to be like, hey, you know, these are the dual sides of things. Like mm-hmm. you can sit here and feel happy about eating meat, but it still. I don't have no problem with eating meat, but be aware of what the results of things are. I don't yeah. think the question is about eating meat. The question is, how do you come to things, and how do you arrive at things? Because what the corporation is doing is not really... <laughs> that I actually like. I thought that was a nice satirical bent when they sort of mm-hmm. realize it. Here's the happy face we put on, and this is what we're actually yeah. doing. I almost would have liked to see seen a little more <laughs> behind the scenes. Once, once you've established it's a grotesque film, why not, <laughs> right. why not yeah. see, see some of that? But... Um, I liked it. I think it's enjoyable. I do see where Chris is coming from. I don't think everyone's going to... Again, you can't go to this. There are some... I'd say... 
I'd say a, a kid maybe who who's a 13-year-old who maybe has seen a decent amount of movies, they could handle this. I mean, this yeah. could have easily been chopped to a PG-13 uh, content-wise. It's not for young kids, and it's not for They people. made a lot of script changes. <laughs> well, well I mean, say. even with sometimes even with language, it's like... I, I wouldn't show it to my kids, but like... I see an eight or nine year old being like, "Look, you've heard this word. Don't repeat it." But it's thematically, a sensitive young kid probably isn't going to do well with mm-hmm. this movie. Um, but I recommend. I think it's good if you like Snowpiercer. It's a very different movie than Snowpiercer. Yeah. But it's original. I have to give again Netflix credit for this is a this is a this is a big An budget out there kind movie. Of movie. Yeah. And yeah, the, the quality of the filmmaking and and the acting mm-hmm. and everything else is very high. I would absolutely give them credit for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they didn't uh, pull any punches with this. It's just a question of, is it going to work for you? I think that they're hiring creative people. They're making mm-hmm. interesting creative things. I like this. I mean, last summer we got Stranger Things. It's not quite Stranger yeah. Things. But I, I say if you're a sci-fi fan... This is at worst, at least worth checking out because you might look at that and see the cute little super pig and think it's not got anything interesting to say. But it's got some, it's got some interesting mm-hmm. science yeah. fiction thoughts. Yeah, that's the reason I have not seen this yet. This looks amazing to me, actually. I really like the Korean style of the weirdness in it. Um, that yeah. kind of goes all over the place. Like it's Keystone Cops at one minute, and next minute it's yeah. really yeah, poignant. Yeah, I can't remember that one movie with the possession where the cops were bumbling. The Wailing. The, the Wailing is fantastic. Yeah. I love that movie. That's it's horrifying one second, and the cops are idiots and scumbags <laughs> yeah. in the next. So I like that juxtaposition of all that stuff. But um, my wife wants to watch it with me, and she goes, I, I, the pig looks cute, so I'm not going to tell her any of this stuff and see what she thinks. I've heard many people say this will turn you into a vegan. I don't know that it'll, it'll no. turn me into a vegan, but... I guess if you're very, you know, but I think it does have the potential, particularly for the younger audience, to just think about and be aware of the message of the movie is more don't put your head in the sand, wouldn't you say, mm-hmm. than anything else. That seems cool. Um, seems awesome. So that's, Jason, you seen anything else you want to talk about? I think we're kind of. Uh, no, I think that's, that's pretty good. I like, I like the, uh, the list, and it did have a strong female element for everything. Yeah, yeah, other than the last one. Last well, one. Oh, no, I, the little girl. Hey, we're pro ladies that, here. Oh, Aksha's okay. female too. Yes, that's right. Female, yeah. So. yeah. So. Oh, oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. I did not know that. So there we go. It's about a female. Tilda Swetton in dual role, dual roles. I guess say too. I didn't really mention. Wait, here's a question. Could you see Tilda Swinton's like dual sister, like her other sister, like the meaner, more evil version? Would she be running that uh, train in Snowpiercer? No, because that character is even weirder than that. Okay, like I mean, that one's <laughs> you, the, the one in Snowpiercer is absurd. She has like Bugs Bunny teeth. Yeah, she's what? She's more, yeah, she has a big like. You well, I mean, hey, she was wearing braces in this but one. She's so. also horrifying in that. Like yeah. she's like a monster that tortures people <laughs> and kills people, and this I don't. Well, I haven't. I shouldn't say that. I'm not seeing yeah. anything with this. But Snowpiercer, she's a psycho. So this is like the dark side version of Paddington. <laughs> oh, okay. I will tell my wife it is exactly like Paddington. It's, 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 it's like the sequel to Paddington, except with a super. So it sounds like yeah. it's like Charlotte's Web three. <laughs> Everyone have a great night. Take care. We will see you again soon. See you guys. Bye.